Welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. All right, welcome again to the Defender Podcast. This is Rick Morton, and today I'm here by myself, no Herbie Newell. Herbie is uh, is out running the roads and around the world, and and so um, I have the opportunity today, uh, and have a have a great pleasure to to be able to talk to um, part of our team, uh, Kara Clark, who is one of our family therapists, and uh, she Kara is in Crowley, Louisiana, and uh, and actually lives in Mowata, Louisiana. So we're gonna we'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, but but Kara comes to us. She is. Uh, has a BA in sociology from Howard Payne University, a master's in social work from the University of Texas in Arlington, and, and a master's in ministry-based evangelism from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary um, in Fort Worth. And, and so all of that together, all of that preparation and years of, of work in social work and in ministry has, has really, um, God's really fashioned Kara to, to love the body of Christ and to love families well. And, and so she is now in this role serving um, as a family therapist as part of Lifeline Counseling, um, working out of the, the Crowley area. She's married to her best friend, Cullen. Uh, he is the pastor at First Baptist Crowley, Louisiana, uh, and teaches history at LSU and also at Howard Payne University. And they have three beautiful children, Elizabeth, William, and Jacob, and we're really, really excited to have the opportunity to talk to Kara today about the subject of emotional exhaustion. Um, and as we were thinking about kind of kicking off this year and and what we would do uh, on the Defender podcast, one of the things that we just all acknowledge is that all of us, I think, on, or many of us are, are sort of feeling um, the, the exhaustion of the last several years. It's been a, it's kind of been a hard time. And particularly for many of our adopted and foster families, um, with all of the, with all of the upheaval that we've experienced around us and the impact that, ha- that that has on our families, um, there are a lot of us that are just tired. And, uh, and so I know Kara has been seeing this in her practice and we've talked about it a little bit and, and we just kind of want to talk through that and, and share some things with you and, and hopefully provide some things, um, that'll, that'll be helpful. But before we get there, we're going to, uh, we want to talk about bridge educational services. So, um, today, January the 11th, we're almost at the beginning of school or for many of you, your kids are back in school and and beginning that second semester and we just want to remind you that as this new semester starts um, that it may be time to really think about or update some of the helps and, and some of the things that you're bringing around your child um, to help their educational journey and so bridge educational services was created to walk alongside parents to help you uh, meet your children's educational potential Bridge offers cognitive development evaluations and personalized educational support, both in office and online. Um, you can visit lifelinechild.org backslash bridge. Good grief, it's January. I, we've been off of live shows for a little bit and I forgot our own website. So it's lifelinechild.org backslash bridge. Um, or you can see our show notes for more information um, to learn about Bridge Educational Services. And- so as uh, we now uh, turn our attention to our guest, Kara Clark. Kara, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flex a little bit of Louisiana knowledge here. 
Um, and as I said, you're from, Mo- you live in Mo Water, Louisiana. And I just want a little street cred for being somebody who spent a little bit time, a little bit of time in Louisiana. The reason that Mo Water is named Mo Water is because it used, it, it was a place that went through a drought and they built an irrigation system that brought water into the area. And so it was literally known as like the place of more water. And that just kind of sort of digressed into being called Mo Water. And so like three years, three years of Dust Bowl that didn't really help the rice industry in, in that part of Louisiana that an irrigation system fixed and they had more water to do to, than they knew what to do with. So there you go. How about that? I'm actually really impressed. I'm very impressed. Um, not everyone knows where Mowata is. Um, and definitely knowing the history of the name, I didn't know that, honestly. So, and I'm from there. <laughs> so, that's pretty- so, so I, so a little, little birdie told me a couple of things that I didn't know about you that as we're getting started, that, um, okay. that you, you and Cullen and your family, you live on a farm, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a cow. Well, yeah, we have a few cows. We used to have okay. a dairy cow. You don't we, have a dairy cow anymore. We don't. We had to um, sell Daisy, honestly. Um, wow. She, she was a lot. <laughs> so, but we did put her. She was an honorary cow. She was a half Holstein, half Jersey, if you know anything about dairy cows. And um, oh, she wow. just, she ruled me. Um, she was definitely the boss and she gave us too much milk. And so we just had to let her go. There you go. Okay. Well, see, I was going to, I was going to kind of go in for the fact that, that there's probably nobody else at Lifeline that, that milks a cow on a day, on a daily basis that, um, and, and so you were, you're unique among our team, but I guess now you've just come back to the rest of us. I just come back. I mean, I, we are actually, um, considering getting another one. <laughs> but um, we do enjoy the milking and the process and all of that. But um, we would not get a Holstein again or, yeah, we would not. <laughs> Too much milk. Well, so. folks, you can you can certainly be excited about the next time that we have Kara on to the Defender podcast where we talk about farm to table foods That's and right. all the ways that um, that we can procure those. But seriously, we uh, I'm having a little bit of fun, but we're just uh, Kara, just really thankful for you and excited that you're you're joining us on the podcast. But more than that, just that you're a part of our team and and to see all the things that the Lord is is doing with you and and just kind of want to dig into this this topic of um, emotional exhaustion and and really. Um, because we are who we are as a ministry, we'll kind of probably start out. Let's talk about parents and kids a little bit. And, and, and that, um, what do you, what do you think as you're, as you're working with families, um, what are the things right now that are really contributing to emotional exhaustion in, in the lives of the parents that you're working with? Yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, I think that there are a few different contributing factors. Honestly, one of them is simply that parenting is just hard. Um, I think it is just a lot of responsibility of caring for children. Um, and I think it's just hard. And as a parent of three kids under the age of 12, um, 
it just requires a lot. It's a lot of investment, right? It's a lot of emotional investment, um, mentally, physically, financially, and you're not really guaranteed a return. Um, you're just giving a lot. And sometimes you're, you're met with things that are just not positive. You know, I mean, kids don't always show their gratitude. They often can even show ingratitude and have tantrums and um, have big behaviors. I think so parenting is just hard in general. Um, and I think we recognize in this I think parenting from the beginning of time has been difficult just because people are people, but we are faced with some, some big challenges, I think, in our day and age um, that we may not have had to deal with as head on as um, past generations have. So parenting just in general is difficult. I think from an adoptive parent and fo or foster care parent you know, perspective, I think it can be even harder because you have kids that are coming from, um, like what you have kids coming from a, um, disrupted attachment. You have kids that are coming from possible trauma. And so that has an effect on not only their, um, ability to interact and socially, but it has an effect on their development of their brain, mm -hmm. their nervous system. And so you have all of that. And then you're trying to parent these children in a safe space and they may not feel safe. And so that brings in a whole other lot of difficulties, right? So I think those are some things. I think also another factor, honestly, is that we have a lot of opportunities right now. Like we have our kids have a lot of our kids and most parents, I think, are trying to give the children um, all the possibilities, all the opportunities, right? So we have our kids in different activities. We have our kids in different programs. We And they're good things. But if you have a family that has multiple children or even only one child, but if you have a you can be pulled in multiple directions. And so it's how to say no, when to say no, and wanting to not stifle anything for our children. So I think that desire there is a lot. We have just a lot more options, I think, than um, we used to. Um, so those are a few of the factors. I think sometimes as parents, we also feel like we need to be able to meet all of our kids' needs, mm. you know? We need to be able to um, be everything that they need. I think this may even be more so for adoptive parents, mm -hmm. right? That we want to respond perfectly in every moment. We want to, you know, make sure that they are getting and receiving everything they need. And that's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are some of the factors that I'm seeing in my own practice. Yeah. You know, I think it's, I think that's fair to say that it's, you know, there's that ever present. It's, it's, it's always there. Our kids' needs are always there. You know, those yeah. things. I, it's funny to hear you say that. Um, Denise, my, my wife and I had a, had a moment at kind of at the end of the holidays, right before, you know, before I came back to the office and um, we were kind of taking stock of the holidays and, 
it was, there was this very real moment where we kind of looked at each other and said, you know what? Like we made it all the way through Christmas and new years and all the celebration and all the stuff. And nobody got overstimulated and decided that they needed to like act out and, and have a self-sabotaging moment. Wow. And it was like a party. Like we were kind of looking at each other going like, woohoo, like we, we, cause I don't know. I don't know that we've had a Christmas like that in a long time. And, and it's, that is true. I think there is a, there is a, um, just the, the constancy of that. I think also, you know, it, it, this occurred to me even over the, over the break and, and having a little more time to pay attention to social media and catching up with friends and, you know, social media world and all that is just the artificial world that we, that we keep our toes in. In because nobody nobody puts their bad moments up on social media, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, we'll put other people's bad moments up, but we don't put ours up. And yeah. and so and I think it, so. I think there's a you know maybe one of the things we we've talked about with regard to this emotional exhaustion is is just the shame that a lot of parents feel walking through this because. Um, you know, because you, it's easy to feel like you're not, you know, you're not measuring up, you're not doing enough that you're, um, you know, that you're, you're, you're not enough for your children and the treadmill that that kind of, you know, kind of puts you on. And so I'd, I'd love to just kind of hear what, what you would say um, to parents out there and, and what wise words you have about people that are kind of, you know, they're ashamed of the fact that, it's not all, it's not all perfect. And maybe even they've withdrawn and kind of isolated themselves and they're playing the social media game of trying to show everybody that it's okay, but they're really hiding from the world because it's not okay. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, first I'd say congratulations on your holidays. That's a big, <laughs> big deal. <laughs> it was huge. Like yeah. we're still living, we're still riding the wave. It's, it's yeah, pretty cool. I would, I would ride that for a while, as long as you can, because <laughs> that's a big deal. I mean, especially kids that are coming, you know, in an adoption family, that's a big, mm-hmm. I mean, holidays can be exhausting and it's mm-hmm. all good things, right? It's, you know, it's, or most of the things are good. They're fun, they're parties. And, but that is stimulation overload for a lot of kids. The structure's not there, you know, um, things that anchor them are different. And so to go through holidays, I think that's a big deal. Um, But back to your question, yeah, shame and isolation, I think are very typical for parents, Um, especially the shame part. I mean, personally, mom, mom guilt is real, right? You know, I mean, I have felt it many times. In fact, my, (laughs) my son this morning, Um, said, did you order our lunch? Because we order lunches on Thursdays because pizza, right? So I don't make them a lunch on Thursdays. I order the lunch. I said, I did. He said, and did you pay for it? Because I've been known not to pay for it. You know, that part. So they, <laughs> they get the bill at the end and I'm like, yeah, I paid for it. Right. But it happens, you know, I mean, it, it just, it happens. We don't, we can't do it all all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think it is really interesting too, like what you were saying with the social media, we filter our lives and mm-hmm. um, we filter them to be beautiful. I know that I look at people's posts and I'm like, wow, everything is light and airy. 
and I'm in the middle of Mowata and it is wet and stinky right now. And, you know, like, where is this beautiful light, you know, that everything is just in beautiful color. But I think that a lot of this comes from this shame comes from unmet expectations. We have the unmet expectations that, um, of ourselves, you know, of ourselves as mom and dad and how we are going to do things different and better, or even the same as our own parents or caregivers, depending on our situations. Um, we have goals and expectations of our children and they're not always met. And so we often internalize these unmet expectations as deficiencies in ourselves or our children, you know, and that leads us to a place of guilt and shame. And we ask ourselves, why is this so hard? What am I doing wrong? Why does my child struggle so much? And so I think there are a few reasons why we, um, see these things the way they are, and we may not be looking at them through the correct lens. Mm -hmm. Um, I think especially for our adoption and adoptive and foster care parents, you know, we need to be looking at um, this through the lens of honesty, which may be a trauma lens, right? And that just, we look at these big behaviors and we look at these tantrums and we, you know, these, these children that maybe are, we are pouring into and they're just not responding. And we take that personal and we feel like, what else? And we're not seeing this through the lens that trauma has happened and it impacts and it impacts everything. And just because they have been um, taken out of this, maybe unsafe environment or whatever environment they, we feel like they are now in a better, hopefully place they are coming with them, right? Like, and so I think we need to look at things honestly. I also think that our expectations of ourselves, just as parents in general, are sometimes unrealistic. We, like I said before, we want our children to be in everything. We want to be everything for our kids. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be our, we're called to be the primary disciple right? I don't know if discipler is a word, but that's what we're called to be. Like we are the people that are to point our children to Jesus. And we are the people to um, connect with them and to guide them in this life. But that doesn't mean that we're going to be everything for them. And I kind of learned this early on. So I have a 12 year old daughter um, and (laughs) She's wonderful. But when she was like three years old, I thought, okay, I'm going to teach her how to swim. You know, I learned how to swim at an early age. I'm going to teach her how to swim. And I'm telling you, I went there and I did everything I knew to do, which was, I thought correctly. And she just refused. She refused to put her head under under the water. She refused to, you know, kick her legs, paddle. She refused to do everything. So my husband and I, like, we really want her to learn how to swim. So we put her in swimming, swimming lessons. And the swim instructor did exactly everything I did, Mm -hmm. everything. And she just did it with that swim instructor. And by the end of the second lesson, she was jumping off the diving board, swimming to the side. And I'm like, I struggled with you for... days and we got mad at each other. And, you know, like, I'm like, 
And I just realized, you know what, maybe I'm not going to be her teacher. Like maybe mm. homeschooling isn't for us. <laughs> Got that out of the way early at three, right? Yeah, but just like to have I, that understanding. Yes. I don't think that she's going to take that direction from me. And yeah. that's going to hurt our relationship if I'm going to try to be her teacher, right? Mm. I want to be her, her mom and her discipler, but I can't be her teacher in academics and apparently swimming. Mm-hmm. So we made that decision as a family, like maybe we need to look at alternative ways to educate her that I might not be that person. I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not educated as an educator. So, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I don't have to be everything to her. I need yeah. to be um, the person that is discipling her, but discipling comes down to relationships, yeah. right? Um, connection. Like I need to have a real genuine relationship with my kids Um, and that takes vulnerability on my behalf, you know, discipleship Mm -hmm. is, I think when we think of discipline, we often think of punishment Mm -hmm. and really discipline is the same root word as disciple, right. Mm -hmm. And that's walking along with them. Um, that use of the, the image of God as the shepherd, right. Mm -hmm. And walking and the rod is not to beat, (laughs) the sheep, right? The rod is to guide and to Mm -hmm. direct and to move along and to move away from. Um, And I think if we can see parenting as that, and it's not to be everything for every need, but that we may need to delegate. We may need to look outside of ourselves to help find people to speak truth into our children, to help Mm -hmm. do the things that they may they may need help. And that might be teaching. That might be counseling. Mm -hmm. That might be other coaching, whatever that is for your kids. And they're in those moments. It's not a bad thing to ask for help. And uh, I think that's hard. I think that is hard. It's hard to say, okay, I can't do this. And, um, and to be honest with ourselves in those moments with kids. But when we don't, I think that's when it leads to shame and isolation. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I think part of and and maybe this is like, I don't think this is a stretch what I'm about to say, but I think part of the, you know, truly part of the truth of the gospel is, is that we're like, we're not enough for our kids. Like we're, you know, there there is fundamentally like we are, we're broken and sinful and live it in the midst of brokenness and sinfulness. And, and, and you're right. There's this cultural, social, very human kind of pressure to want to, you know, want to do everything and be everything and be perfect. But we get lulled into that. And, and the, the actual truth, I mean, the thing that we really believe is um, that, that that's only that kind of, that kind of perfection that we strive for is only going to happen in Jesus and his finished work. Right. (laughs) And so, and yet, we chase our tails all the time and, and, you know, probably exhaust ourselves in, in trying to reach a standard that if we're, if we're really kind of thinking about it, we don't have the ability to be able to reach it, you know, at all. Absolutely. Um, I, this really, I had, this is, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we Mm -hmm. were having a conversation with the clinical staff at Lifeline and, um, one of the clinicians asked, you know, who is a perfect parent? 
you know, (laughs) and really it is Jesus, right? God is father is a perfect parent. And then the point was made and look at his children and how they turned out. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, that's great. Because you know what? Like I'm never going to reach perfection. Right. But by God's grace, you know, I'm going to do the best I can and I'm just going to be good enough because I don't necessarily, I think it's a good point. We don't want to meet every need of our child mm-hmm. and want them to be able to, um, first of all, turn to, turn to the Lord. Right. But mm-hmm. when those are, there are needs, tangible needs that need to be met. We need to teach them that it is okay to seek help. It is okay. Yeah to to look outside of ourselves and have other people come in and and help us when we need to but yeah i and i think something i something i kind of feel compelled to say here um and so i apologize but i'm going to talk about you and i'm going to talk about your colleagues for a second um but this is this is why we believe in having a clinical practice and why we believe in having therapists here at lifeline to, to work with families and to work with kids coming from hard places because, because we, we do integrate the gospel and, and the, and the truth of scripture with, with an understanding of people and behavior and life. And, and the fact is that that's not, that's not always the same purview everywhere. Um, and and so I love it because I think I think what you just unpacked for us and what we've just kind of talked about really kind of sits at the heart of why we do what we do and and why, um, you know, why a, a family counselor, family therapist like you and, and others are here at Lifeline, because we really do believe that part of, you know, part of the, the thing that we do is that that we all need some extra help. Sometimes we all need some extra perspective. But we want to do that in a way that that is centered on the gospel, just like everything else we do, and and that the gospel is is integrated in you know all that we say and do. Right. Um, yeah. I, I and that's one of the reasons why I feel privileged to be a part of this team. I think that it is it is done well. You know, I think no one's no one's going to push or try to evangelize through counseling. That's not the goal of our practice. We're going to meet you where you are, but we are unashamed to say, you know, the gospel, our, my faith impacts every aspect of me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to overflow in my professional life as well. And it should, and that's a benefit for you. You know, I'm not going to, no one's going to beat you down with a Bible or, you know, like, but we are going to be honest about this is a trauma for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, disrupted attachment is a holistic problem, mm-hmm. right? It is a, it's a whole person problem and faith is part of that, you know? And so definitely, I think um, I have benefited just being able to be um, encouraged and strengthened and challenged by, you know, the other clinicians on this team. And yeah. I think that it's definitely a, a great, a great ministry. Well, I, I can't believe honestly how the Lord has blessed us with the people that, 
that we have that are part of this team and and all the you know the collection of the folks and experiences and expertise and things that he's gathered you know together here i think something you said earlier too um in in talking about and just kind of you know thinking about this idea of shame is that that there really is an isolation component to it as well um and i think again one of those bedrock truths that we kind of stand on is that that we're you know, God's designed us not to do life in isolation, but to do life together. And, and so like even the whole concept of the church and the body of Christ and all those things is, is reflective of God's heart of the importance of community. Um, and, and I think, you know, sometimes we, we talk in terms of even the things we say and about, you know, care for orphan and vulnerable children and things like that. And we, we make these pronouncements on the church and we say, well, like, this is everybody's responsibility. This is everybody's thing to do. And, and what they, what people hear is um, you're telling me I need to adopt, or you're telling me I need to foster, or you're telling me I need to do, you know, these big life altering things. And that's not really what we're saying at all. You know, what we're saying many times is, is that, but to have to have an awareness to live out your place in the church and in the body of Christ and in the community, um, being aware of the needs of um, you know vulnerable children, vulnerable families, those kinds of things. And so, like this topic that we're talking about of emotional exhaustion, um, churches, you know, church friends. Friends in the community, family members, people have an opportunity to be able to support families as they're experiencing this kind of exhaustion. And so, you know, again, what would you say? How can give some practical things that people outside of the family unit can do to support a, a family or to support parents that are experiencing this kind of exhaustion? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And um, honestly, my first response is just kind of knowing the signs of exhaustion because, you know, being just aware of that parents are not always the best at asking for help. Right. And so um, I think family friends are just, I don't think it is a wrong assumption that if you know families that have adopted or doing foster care, they're experiencing some form of exhaustion. Um, if you have p- no parents in general, right? <laughs> I don't think it's a wrong assumption to to assume that they are experiencing some form of exhaustion. Um, and so, just kind of being aware that this is this is hard work, and you know they may arrive at your door, or you may see them in town, and everyone has smiles, but the car ride there might have been really rough. <laughs> you know, ask my mm-hmm. children. Uh, you know, to be honest. Um, but I think so just kind of being aware of what that looks like, you know, if you see families that are not, um, there when they usually are there, right. Or if you just know that their child may have come from a hard place, like they just may need some extra, um, just some extra help. And so I think some practical ways of doing that as individuals is just praying for them intentionally, you know, asking Mm. what can we pray for you? You don't need all the details about everybody's life, but you can, you know, just being that available to say, Hey, what can I pray for you this week? You know, um, I think just offering help, 
don't wait for them to ask. If you know that they are in a they are in the time of life and you are not in that time of life, but they are, and you can provide a meal or you can give the parents a date night or a coffee break or whatever that looks like. Um, I think to look for those opportunities. And then I think a really be- beautiful thing is to be a safe person for them. Like sometimes as a parent, we just need to be able to say, this is really hard. Mm-hmm. And things are not going the way that I thought they were going to go. And I don't know what to do. And just being that safe person that is available for that cup of coffee or that Mm -hmm. crying session or whatever they need for that in that moment. Um, So I think that's a, an individual approach for churches and our church is on this journey as well. We had Chris Johnson come down to our church, um, (laughs) which was amazing. And we did a love mercy weekend and, Um, We are getting involved more as a church in our foster care um, office, our our DSD, Mm -hmm. it's called the Department of Children and Family Services here in Louisiana, um, seeing where we can minister and how we can minister to foster families and to caseworkers and that kind of thing. Um, And I do think that there is a little fear there, right? Like everyone's Mm -hmm. going to to take children into our home and we maybe are not ready to do that. But um, it has really helped us to say, like, when we plan events, when we are thinking through our calendar, you know, are we asking ourselves questions um, like, do families with children from hard places feel welcome here? Are events and programs planned with these children in mind? Are our Sunday school teachers, are our program leaders trauma-informed, right? Um, the snacks that we have or um, the activities that we're planning, are we mindful of sensory issues that kids may have, right? And um, do our parents feel safe to leave their children with us? You know, are we creating a space where families can come and do life together? You know, and um, I think those are some questions that the churches can can ask themselves and can be beneficial of just kind of thinking through that way, thinking through that lens. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I think, um, you know, I, um, I think there's a, just in our, in our culture and in general, like in our world today, um, there's, there's just, there is a little bit of an overarching sense of people are just kind of worn out with a lot of things. You know, I remember it, I sort of reflect back and this is, you know, more intense and a little more personal, but I, but I think about being in new Orleans after Katrina Mm -hmm. and the thing that was the hardest about that honestly was everything was harder to do. Like nothing, no grocery store was closed. No, like everything just took more time and was more complicated and, and, and added, you know, stress. And I think when we come out of things like, you know, COVID and the economic things that are going on around us and all these other things that it's just, it feels like things are just kind of piling up um, many times around us. And it just causes us um, to, to feel tired. And so Kind of maybe as the last thing we we do today on the podcast, what would you say just in general to folks that feel the weight of that about, um, you know, 
how how do you cope? What do you and 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 maybe what are some things that you can do to to prepare yourself to walk well, um, even in those ex- exhausting circumstances? Yeah, um, I I agree. I think that we are seeing a lot more emotional exhaustion among adults and even teens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people are tired and it could be repercussions of the COVID isolation, right? Like people are coming out of that. And we, some of us got really used to kind of being isolated, right? We kind of got mm-hmm. used to kind of our being, being insular. So we maybe don't, we watch church online and we don't go to church anymore. Mm-hmm. We do work at home. You know, we have a lot of mm-hmm. the Zoom calls and those kind of things. And so we're missing out on some genuine connection and Jenny, you know, some physical relationships. And I think those are really important because I think, and we said this earlier, we are created in God's image. And that means we're created for relationship. We need mm-hmm. people. We need relationships. And so I think that is one of the things that's probably leading to that. And honestly, isolation increases depression and anxiety. It's like literally throwing fuel on a fire. Mm-hmm. When you're depressed and when you're anxious, the thing you want to do most is most likely isolate. And that is the worst thing you can do. It just feeds it. I mean, it's a chemical thing in the brain and it's like, we're, you're left to yourself, your own thoughts, and not all our thoughts are true and not all our thoughts are good. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and so those things tend to grow in isolation. And so I think another issue that I, I'm seeing in my practice and even in my own life, right. is like, we don't get a lot of rest. You know, we talked about social media, like, look, no judgment. I've wasted a real minute, like looking on reels, you know, like, (laughs) I I mean, I get it. It draws you in. So, I mean, vegging out in front of a screen is not necessarily restorative. It's not necessarily rejuvenating. Right. Um, And so I think we're tired. And when we're, when we're tired and we're vegging out, but then we're just seeing other people's filters and then we're feeling what shame, unmet expectation. It just is the same thing as with parenting. I think that's a general thing that people are dealing with. Um, so I think those are some of the factors that are leading, um, that emotional exhaustion, how to kind of walk through that. It really, I mean, we could get into a conversation on coping and resource, you know, skills and mm-hmm. like that. But I think sometimes we need to take a step back and say, like, what is elite, like, what is the real root of this exhaustion? Are we living and are affected by past trauma? You know, um, or are we worried and about the future, right? I mean, where are we? And usually we're not in the moment that we're in. We're not mindful and grounded where we are. Um, I think that a lot of times we're spending a lot of emotional energy in the past and in the future, and we're not where we are right now. And I get that. I mean, just like trauma affects little ones, 
right? It affects adults, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we know that that's going to impact our view of ourselves. It's going to impact our view of others. It's going to impact our view of who the Lord is. And so, you know, I think that we have to kind of take a step back and say, Hey, if we're, we've done, if we've dealt with some things in the past, maybe we need some help working through some of those things, Mm -hmm. you know, so that we can move forward in the future and honestly, just be present in the moment that we're in because that's really hard. Um, so I think, you know, seeking, seeking connection, seeking relationships, seeking help when we need to, and understanding that that's okay. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. We're you know, Kara, it's funny. I'm li- I, even as I was listening to you, just kind of talk through that, you know, that scenario and kind of talk through that um, answer to my question. It, it just, it really kind of the, the same thought kind of kept coming up in my mind for, for those folks that are listening to us that have never kind of been involved in talk therapy have never like, that's, that's what this is, right? Like it's not, there's not some super, you know, secret or super, you know, like depth of technique. It's not manipulate. It's, it's somebody helping you to take perspective and, and see now and, and see, you know, maybe the way that you frame some of the things in the past um, to, to help you to be able to see that and recognize it and, and to, to work through it um, in a, in a, in a very healthy, proactive way. And, and there's, there's nothing, there's nothing that's hidden about it, right? Like it's, it's just, it's just the fact that we're, you know, it's somebody helping you to, to kind of talk through and, and take perspective in, in a way that, um, that, that helps you to take ownership and to, you know, to move forward. And, and I, I love the fact, um, that, you know, I think I think for a lot of us that are in um, that are that are parenting through adoption and and in foster care, um, you know, like it it's that's a little bit of a challenging thought to think about. You know, therapy something somebody else ought to do. It's not that's that's not for me. Sometimes yeah. is the and and I think the 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 thing I would say back to that is. Um, I, like we we couldn't be on this journey and we couldn't do what God called us to do in our family without help. Right. We couldn't do it in so many ways without help. And and one of those ways has been um, well-prepared, um, well-credentialed therapists who have have helped us to understand ourselves and understand our kids better. Um, and, and to, and to help us to take productive steps toward, you know, just toward health and toward wholeness. And, and I, I love the fact that, that part of the ministry of lifeline, that God gives us the opportunity to do that in a way, um, that we're not, we're not putting our faith on the shelf. We're not putting the gospel to the side, (laughs) But we're able to do it in a way that that the gospel is is integrated and is front and center and is is part of that and 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 so the therapists that you know that we have that are part of this team um, love Jesus and and you know they're and and have 
um, have a, a theological lens that they're looking through because because they're just well integrated people, right? And yeah, totally, right? Uh, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and and so I, I just you know I want to I want to wind up today, and and this is probably not you know something that you expected me to do, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. If if you're if if you're if you or if you have friends that are in you know Lafayette, Opelousas, um, Abbeville, New Iberia, around the area around Crowley, um, God has blessed us with an incredible resource in Kara in somebody who who understands the journey of um, families and and kids who have who come from hard places and 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 have experienced vulnerability. And and the and the Lord has um, has cultivated in her some some really specific skill to be able to help. Um, but also, I can really testify to the fact that that this is also um, someone who who really loves the Lord and brings that to the the task of helping families. And um, and so I just I kind of want to end today by saying if you're in that central or that Lafayette kind of other side of Baton Rouge, not quite to Lake Charles kind of area. Um, it, it's hard to find these days a therapist with a with a really healthy Christian worldview, and also particularly somebody who has um, ha- has experience in an orientation with with trauma and um, and attachment and those sorts of things. And so, I want to I want to encourage you if you're in that area, reach out to Kara. If you're somewhere else um, that that Lifeline has a presence, reach out to us. We're um, we we have counselors on our own team. We also have uh, a bit of a per- preferred provider network of people that we're helping to be part of our clinical environment and also to take part in training that really helps to um, to to meet the unique needs of the families that we serve here at Lifeline. And so uh, we're just we're blessed that the Lord has allowed us to be able to walk into this arena, and we we want to be able to help families. And and so. Thanks again for listening to us, uh, for joining us on the Defender Podcast. I promise you we will have Kara back again because uh, this has been such a great conversation. Kara, thanks for, uh, for joining us, and we will, uh, we will see you or we'll talk to you next week right here on the Defender Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.